This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. You turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15 verse, uh, starting in verse 21, Matthew 15, 21, and uh, that's going to be the part here that we're going to be diving into tonight, and um, let's pray first of all. Father, thank you so much for the deep, deep love of Jesus. It's vast, it's unmeasured, we can't sound the depths of it, and tonight, Lord, as we Look again at the deep love of Jesus to open our hearts, give us attention, Lord, clear away every distraction from us, take a dullness out of our spirits that we might be acutely aware of your voice to us tonight in Jesus' name, amen. Oh, yes, now, okay, Matthew chapter 15, verse 21, please follow along. So I read this, Matthew 15, 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. 
Now, this is going to be a little bit of a change for us. We're going to change this up because our focus so far, so far in our, our studies in the Bible has been largely dealing with the Jewish people. And now we're going we're gonna to look at a very important Gentile believer, a very important Gentile woman here at Canaanite, because she represents the essence of Gentile believers. So we're gonna, so, so tonight it's gonna be the night of honor the Gentile believers. That's what it's gonna be. And this description of this woman is very important because it sets a theme for us. When it says in Matthew 15, 21, a woman of Canaan came out, that's a double meaning. That's a double meaning there because on the surface, Yes, she came out from the location that she was in to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ, but she really was a woman who came out to the Lord Jesus Christ from her, from her Gentile world, and that's what we're gonna see. Calling her, as it does here in verse 21, a woman of Canaan that came out, describes for us Gentile believers in the Bible. They come out of the Gentile world to the world of the God of Israel. They come out of their sins to the cleansing of the God of Israel. Their coming out is not easy. They have to fight their way to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what we're gonna see in this woman. And this woman really illustrates the battle of the soul as she had to fight her way to the Lord Jesus Christ, and for that, She's an illustration for any soul that comes to the Lord Jesus Christ and fights his way there. Only for her, being a Gentile made it all the more intense. Now, the Bible, the Bible is a Jewish book. I mean, let's face it. Every page is written by Jews. Oh, I know there's some people who say that Luke was not Jewish because he didn't have a Jewish name and after all, he was from a profession that you never find a Jewish doctor, so what can you say? <laughs> but, but Moses is also not a Jewish name, and neither is Thomas a, a Jewish name. But every page in the Bible is written by the Jewish people because the Bible says so. In Romans 3.1, Romans 3.1 asks the question, what advantage then hath the Jew, and what profit is there of circumcision? Answer, Romans 3, 2, much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God, which is the Bible. Unto them was committed the Bible. The Bible is, is, is really, uh, it's a history of the Jewish people, and the Bible identifies the Jewish people as God's people. Yet, yet in the Bible there are clear pictures of the place of Gentile believers as a part of God's people. God showed clearly in the Old Testament how Gentiles would, came into Jehovah Jesus. There are only four women, only four women that are listed, named in the lineage of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews, and they are, they are Gentiles. Well, those four women that are listed are Gentiles. First, Tamar. Tamar, she was a Canaanite. She gave birth to Pharaoh's with her father-in-law, Judah. That was a scandal. Then there was Rahab. She was a Canaanite who was Solomon, gave birth to Boaz. 
she was a harlot. That was a scandal. There was Ruth. She was a Moabitess with, along with, who, with Boaz, uh, had Obed. And as I said, Ruth was a Moab, Moabite. And God said, a Moabite shall never enter into the congregation of the Lord. That was a scandal. Then there was Bathsheba, who with David had Solomon. She was a Hittite. She was raped. Her husband was murdered. That was a super scandal. So they all come to trust in God. And with their best described, all of these Gentile women and all the Gentile believers are best described by what it was said to Ruth by Boaz in Ruth 2.12. Ruth 2.12 says, a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. That's a description of Gentile believers. Gentile believers are like Ruth. They have fought their way to be under the wings of the Lord God of Israel to trust in him. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ became the light of the world. He became the light of the world, which means that he became the light of the Gentiles. He became the light of Gentiles. It's very interesting in Scripture to see exactly how that happened. How did that happen, that the king of the Jews, that the Messiah, that, that, that he should become the light of the Gentiles? Okay, first the Lord Jesus Christ was sent by God the Father to, with one job, bring back the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He spoke about this commission. It was burning on his mind right in the passage that we're looking at right now in verse 24. In Matthew 15, 24, he said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That was his commission. That was his responsibility. That is what God, the Father told him to do. And it was a very real responsibility for him. And he came with a very burning desire to please God the Father and do the job he was sent here to do, which is bring the Jewish people back to God. So when we read this verse, this very key verse in John 1.11, in John 11, 1.11, where it says in the beginning, he came unto his own. That's a statement that we should understand that he came to the Jewish people with his whole being to bring them back to God. He planned how he was going to bring them back to God. He spoke carefully, choosing his words carefully with the intent of bringing them back to God. He really wanted to bring the Jewish people back to God. He tried to bring the people back to God, but he did not override their wills. God never does that. And in the end, it had to be their decision to come back to God. He tried but it was their choice. And in the end, the reality is, he faced utter failure. Failure in the second half of that verse in John 1.11, where it says, John 1.11, he came unto his own, that's what he did, and his own received him not. That's what they did. He came perfect. They didn't receive he came to them as their Messiah, and he came to them as their shepherd, 
and he came to them as their savior, and he came to them as their king. He tried so hard to be their Messiah, and their shepherd, and their savior, and their king, and who would bring them back to God. But they rejected him as their Messiah, who was sent by God to bring him back. And they said, we don't believe he's the Messiah. As a matter of fact, we choose to wait for our Messiah to come. He, they rejected him as their shepherd who would lead them back to God through repentance. And they, was, and they said, we don't need anybody to lead us back to God. We're already with God. They rejected him as their savior and they said, we don't need a savior. We don't need an intercessor. We go directly to God. They rejected him as their king that would rule over them. And they said, we will not have this man to rule over us. That's what's meant by John 11. John 1.11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. He came to bring them back to God, they rejected him. They did not receive him as their Messiah. They did not receive him as their shepherd and their savior and their king. So he failed, and he took this failure hard. He took this failure personally. He actually felt this, this personal failure deep down in his soul because he was a sensitive person, and he spoke about how he took this failure to bring Israel back in a very key passage that must be understood correctly in Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49, he was sent and commissioned to bring Israel back. And then the failure came and he said in verse four, Isaiah 49, four. Isaiah 49, four. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught. He called all his work to bring Israel back to God a labor in vain. He felt like he just worked for the wind. He has nothing to show for it. Finishing up the summer blitz this week. As you know, we'll be going to almost, I don't know, five, 600,000 doors and uh, five salvations. So, I know other people who could say that too. I labored in vain, I wasted my time. He called all his strength, all his effort that he put into trying to bring Israel back to God. I spent my strength for naught. And anyone, anyone who's worked trying to bring the Jewish people back to God has experienced those same feelings in Isaiah 49.4 as working so hard and having no results to show as expending all their strength for nothing. And you can see from the reports of the summer blitzers, God bless them. May God bless them greatly for their great unfailing hope that they express in these reports. When they write things like, I hope this one gets saved before the summer is finished, or I didn't get to lead him to the Lord this time, that's an unfailing hope. And, and, but there's discouragement underneath and of course, who wouldn't be if you're sensitive? Of course, this is going to be happen here, as we were reading just in the reports today about somebody throwing a packet out into the puddle of water and so forth, and and, and talking about the angry looks, the stares, and so forth. You, know, you want to say to the summer blitzers, 
welcome to the club. Welcome to the group. That's what the Lord Jesus experienced. And it was discouraging. Of course it's discouraging. And God the Father saw the discouragement of God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he spoke to the Lord Jesus Christ about this directly, and, and he said to him in verse five of Isaiah 49.5, Isaiah 49.5, it says, and now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb. So this is still the Lord Jesus speaking. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him, though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. So the Lord Jesus, so the Lord Jesus said that God the Father formed him within Mary's womb to be his servant, to bring Israel, to bring Jacob back, to bring the Jewish people back to God. Very much like John the Baptist, who leaped in the womb. He was filled from the he was filled with the Holy Ghost from the womb, and it says he was filled with the Holy Ghost, and many of the children of Israel did he turn to the Lord their God. And so here the Lord Jesus is speaking about being in the womb and being formed to be a servant to bring Jacob back. He was so focused. He was so focused on the Jewish people to bring him back to God that he said that it was actually part of his forming in the womb to accomplish this goal. That's what made it so hard for him. That's when that made it so hard for him when he failed to bring the Jewish people back to God because he was formed in the womb to do that work. But then God the Father steps in and said, wait a minute. He steps into this discouragement and the Lord Jesus, and he said, and then the Lord Jesus said what God the Father told him in the next verse, which is Isaiah 49, 6. Isaiah 49, 6, when he said, and he said, this is God the Father, this is the Lord Jesus saying what God the Father said to him. And he said, it's a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I also, uh, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. So the Lord Jesus tells us that God the Father said to him in this verse in Isaiah 49, 6, that it was just a light thing, just a light thing for him to be his servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. God the Father said, ah, bring the Jewish people back to God. It's a light thing. It's nothing. I'm going to give you an even greater job than this. You're going to be a light to the Gentiles. I'm going to make you even more glorious in your title, because then just being the restorer of Israel, you're going to be my salvation unto the end of the earth. And that's what makes this chapter in Isaiah 49 so pivotal to understanding the Jews and the Gentiles, or what's referred to in Romans 11:17 as the natural olive trees and the wild branches. You just can't understand it without understanding Isaiah 49. And it was because of this rejection of the Jewish people that the Lord Jesus became the light of the Gentiles, that he became God's salvation to the end of the earth. And that's how the gospel, which was for the Jewish people, came to the Gentiles. 
So with this clearly in sight, we can understand the great significance of this history of this brave Canaanite woman in Matthew 15 here who pressed her way through many obstacles, and we're gonna see those, into the kingdom of God. This explains to us the meaning behind Romans 11.11. Romans 11.11 say, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, or let's just say it this way, through their rejection, salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. And when the Lord Jesus was given to be the light of the Gentiles and God's salvation to the end of the earth, that was a time of great celebration. Great celebration. God called on the heavens and the earth and the mountains to join him in a great celebration that the Lord Jesus is going to be the savior to the ends of the earth. He's gonna be the light of the Gentiles. And we see this in Isaiah 49, 13, Isaiah 49, 13, where God the Father calls out, sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people. So when Israel rejected the Lord Jesus as their Messiah, as their shepherd, as their savior, as their king, God the Father then turned to the Gentiles and included them, the believing ones, into his people. And the Jewish people now see how God has responded to their unbelief and to their rejection and turning to the Gentiles. As Paul said in a very, very important time, event, in Acts 13.45, in Acts 13.45, where it says, well, when the Jews saw that the, when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing that you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. That was a turning. That was when Paul and Barnabas were confronted with the aggressive rejection of the Jewish people to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they turned to the Gentiles, and God turned to the Gentiles, and when they did turn to the Gentiles, the Gentiles did the opposite of what the Jewish people did. The Gentiles received the Lord Jesus as their Messiah and shepherd and savior and king. And that was amazing to the the apostles. That was amazing to the apostles when they saw that and they, 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 they talked about it in Acts 14, 27. Acts 14, 27, where it says, and when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. See, their conclusion was that God had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. What they were seeing was God opening the door of faith to the Gentiles was the fulfillment of this Isaiah 49.6. Isaiah 49.6 where he said, it's a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.